Culture Sculpture, Stories on the Digital Cave Wall, is the podcast about how we share our stories and how we listen to stories in this world driven by mobile and social media. Because from the beginning 20 years ago, on a project I'm about to share with you, what I've learned is the common thread between people are the stories. Not just your story trying to broadcast it out to an audience, but the story of your audience. And if you listen to them and actually witness it, we see it a lot with app developers and software developers these days who really connect with their audience. Well, I want to bring it down to simple content, community, building tribes, which is the origin story of this podcast. And one of the few times I've ever shared this because this community that I built 20 years ago is not about me. It's all about the audience, my friends, who share content and brought in over 50 million visitors worldwide that we teach, which is cool with a big number, but the best part is we actually connect around a shared story and belief that things can actually improve. And it comes from such an unusual place that I'm limiting its use to this particular podcast unless you want to hear more. I began 20 years ago, actually in 1993, with the idea that creating multimedia back then, I was working on a CD-ROM, would be benefit by interactive theater as a premise. Now that sounds odd, right? Interactive theater, what does that mean? Brenda Laurel wrote a great book back in the 80s, I believe it was, Computers as Theater, and the idea was that when somebody uses a computer, it, she made the equivalency of like entering a theater and interacting with them that way. And the fact that some people in the audience don't want to interact, and many do. Interactions based on the level of participation and direction selected by the audience. That was my goal for my master's project. But what was wild is, not only did it shift as I learned about the stories, but in 1995, the internet came along, and I started realizing that it's not about computers connecting people worldwide, it's about people. And there's this tremendous story I'm about to share with you, a story many of you don't like to hear, some of you will, because what you've learned is that this story is negative, that this story doesn't leave you with hope. And what I'm going to show you, if you don't mind, is how I witnessed and work with this audience outside of it to guide them and let them be able to express and connect their stories, which connect to other people and more people. This is the concept of viral marketing brought down to a much more tangible level because people feel like they belong. It becomes like their skin. They're part of your community, your tribe. So when we began, one of the core concepts I had, opening a community online with no knowledge in 1995, is that we had to go out to the audience, we being me, and ask them, what do you want? Because we are remember.org, all of us, we and the audience. We listen, we don't interfere, and we remember the community is the reason we're here. And I, I took that approach for a reason. The community is what it's all about. And if I didn't have them, I wouldn't be able to really spread the story. And I didn't have money or funding to be able to do this, like many of you starting a project or a business today. So Culture Sculpture also is now growing as a process that I've been developing over 20 years of how we let the audience shape our story, how we actually listen to their story first before sharing our story, how we pick out the words, the emotional connection, because this is not a world of people looking for problems. This is a world of people connecting at a social level and meeting in amazing ways. Yet like Eric Schmidt, when he was at Google in 2010, famously said, 
Every two days we create as much information as we did up to 2003. So trying to create more and more information to get noticed in the noise not only doesn't work now, it didn't work back then. Some things stay consistent over 20 years. And what I built was a social educational community. Fancy words for the original premises of social networks that I learned from people who were forming this and which have come to fruition now in amazing ways. This community is so vibrant and is driven by the people who contribute who end up not just sharing, but because people link to their content, obviously, that favored us in putting our information out there. But you don't get links and things without love, serious love. And everyone that came in maybe wasn't the most professional, but hey, I was at the beginning, so let, let me share with you how I even got the content to begin with. And I want you to apply this. This is not just about my story. This is about your story, your project, your book, your business, your educational communities, whatever you're working on, even a little Facebook group. We began with the premise that it's all about the audience, and they told us about one word, remember. Because we teach a subject, the Holocaust, which is obviously a trigger, a very, very dark subject to some, but our premise was to remember means not to remember, as we do actually today, the side, the negative side. If you look on TV, Hitler and the Nazis are on every day in the U.S. You can see that, view, and I can tell from a search capability, overwhelmingly compared to the good stories. Stories of survival, stories of people who helped each other. And what's sort of funny is, it's almost not just like we don't want to hear those stories, but we forget that really the lessons of the Holocaust to remember is about life, not death. So with that premise and not being Jewish, which is a big deal and deep respect in this subject, you got to be careful when you're going into community which is not only Jewish, but obviously this is the Holocaust and these are my friends. So how do I share this story in a way that's respectful, but that also turns it from being a story of death and help it turn into a story of life by helping teachers bring this to their students, bringing these messages out. Now you may say this is sort of corny, but remember, as a project, we just began, we being me, shaping this as culture sculpture. So this to me is performance art. It is active theater, meaning there's live visual video performances, but unless we get the audience playing and not just watching, and there's only a small percentage of them that'll play, we're not going to get anywhere, which is why I call this Guides on the Side, lesson number one, Guides on the Side instead of a Sage on the Stage. This is an old educational axiom I learned back in my master's degree, and the Guides on the Side simply means stop telling people what to do, but ask them and guide them to the solutions instead of having them memorize facts, having them try to be like you, as, as poor teachers might do. So when I went to my community, I said, what do you guys want? They said, you guys need more books. Let me put my book up. So I put Harold Gordon's book up. My friend Joey Korn, a friend now of 20 years, said, my dad's story. I want to put Abe's story up. That's become the cornerstone as well as a nonprofit that helps us in some minor fundraising that we've done over the years. And it built a community around children of survivors. Then PBS and ABC came in because they had a show and we collaborated on bringing the information to our audience, as well as giving a professional site for them to be able to share related to the documentary. And by doing this, we not only gained momentum and a little bit of, you know, it wasn't too bad to be able to design a site back in the day, but what happened that led us to the next step, 
was a man named Alan Jacobs, who's a not just a wonderful photographer, you see him here, if you're looking on the video, in a hat, a fireman's hat, he's actually a photographer. He lived with these firemen for many years. That's one of his projects. But what I've worked with him on for 20 years now are the main exhibits, are photo photographic exhibits, art, paintings of his, not just need to be able to share this story, but share it in a way that's sensible, that's open-minded, and he is an expert and amazing photographer. This is a picture of him, if you're looking at the video, in Auschwitz, taking a picture, working with this, and being able to develop content that we could then share. Because what happens is, Adobe gave us a Social Impact and Media Award for Alan's work because we simply collaborated between us, the museum, and me sitting here 20 years later behind the scenes just loving everybody and making sure that we could get things done. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's about their story, not your story. And in a subject as volatile as this, I've had denial of service attacks. I want to be able to share the visuals with these students, but most importantly, I want to honor their story, the many different expressions. Here's a, you know, Alan is about the photography and the visuals, but people from all around the world, every country, almost every country in the world, has visited our site. Why? <laughs> Lesson number two, become curators instead of content creators. One of the things you'll find when you start working with stories is you can't create enough original content. So often people will create quality versus quantity, and there's this whole battle because we like to create lots of stuff and hope to get, you know, the more noise, the more stuff people tend to create. It's crazy. And unless people really stop, you get their attention and bring them out, you're not going to get to them. Well, if there's so much content, at a certain point, the originators are part of it, but what we see now are the content curators. It's exactly what I did with Remember.org. Ask people for permission, share unique original content often, sometimes share it, that's on other sites as well, but become a curator instead of creator. Now, when I went out and started this, I want you to broaden your minds. We always try to go to the big people first when we're writing a story or trying to get noticed. That's your status. And remember, it's the audience status is about them. So when I went out, I asked a sixth grade teacher if I could share her paintings that were done by sixth graders studying this horrible quote-unquote subject. But they were beautiful. And then we got our first review. They called them the most thought-provoking Holocaust depictions we've ever seen. Sixth graders. I didn't have money for the top people, and the top people wouldn't have got me noticed. There's a lot of funding for museums, Steven Spielberg, Bill Graham, the rock impresario, actually had a whole foundation dedicated to keeping survivor stories. So having these photos, it was like the children looking at history. And that's what I want to tell you. When you're looking at a story, don't just look at the way you want to tell your truth. Start looking at the multiple points of views people have about the subject, the story you have. It's like looking at it from a 360-degree panorama. Don't just put your blinders on. Watch what they do. And here's the kind of reviews I'm going to tell you you're going to get when you do this. Because by asking people like Alan Jacobs and a sixth grade teacher, we got the review that Remember.org will educate you, move you to tears, and leave you with great hope. Even Wired said, we stand alone as a serious and illuminating stop on the web. All done by their stories, not the stories that, and no disrespect, but the Spielbergs and the more people with funding get. We were sort of much more the, I like to call it the quilt, the not-so-perfect stories, but stories nonetheless. Like these 
paintings by Jeffrey Lawrence was one gentleman who came to me and said, can I put my art here? Looking back at the subject as somebody later and saying how this impacted me, this is a big part of his art. He has this visual that needs to be associated with the Holocaust, and unless you take a look at his work at remember.org, you won't get the sense. This is just magnificent explorations. Their story. See how it's not about me? These people want to share their story, and everybody's competing to share a story. Why don't you stop competing and start collaborating? Bring them together and say we can work together. Liberators. Here's another subject. Out of the blue, in the mid-90s, Chuck Faree came to me, who's no longer with us, and said, you should put stories of men who liberated the camps. I was one of them. I have a whole community that I work with. So we started bringing them online. And what was really amazing is because of that, more and more people would share. That's one of the lessons you learn is that once you get a few people moving, especially on stories like this, which are tough to share, they're going to step out and give you more and more content because they feel comfortable. They feel like you're trustworthy and they feel like you've honored their story, that you're not just using their story like some pitch to get more traffic. You're actually, whether it gets a lot of traffic or not, the story's still important to you. This picture that I'm showing, if you're looking at the video, was shared with me, and I put a whole site up, a page, a WordPress page. And what was funny is, literally, a few months after this was online, we were contacted by some of the crew who was working on the movie, This Must Be the Place, with Sean Penn. And they actually got several of the photos from this because they weren't owned. We were more than happy to share with them that we weren't going to get paid or anything. And the copyright owner who gave the content to me I always gave permission to him in this case that he owns the content. And when I'm developing a community and they're telling a story, you have to look at ownership. Now, most people get a one-time ownership of this, which is what I asked for, but these people ultimately own the content. So I asked him, is it okay to put in the movie? We're not getting paid. He was thrilled. And while I think just a little picture got in there and we got a credit, how amazing is that as one person in the Midwest, U.S., reaching out because a few other people had reached out, sharing his father's story and photos, and though somehow, even a little bit of it, finding its way into a movie. Which leads us to lesson number three. When you're building stories and you're building communities, if you're creating your own content, 5% of your stories will be big, 95% will be been there, done that, TLDR, whatever you want to call it. It's hard to get those magic five, maybe 10%. You can work on your headlines, you can do things like BuzzFeed does, but the bottom line of it is, it's your story. So you want to make sure that the top 5% rule you remember, people will understand this as you start putting more and more people out, you think it'll be all equal, it won't. And you have to treat those contributors differently. So with Alan Jacobs, who has generated a majority of our traffic over the years, we became the distribution for him, and his amazing photography took off. And what happens is you start seeing that the really amazing content, and I call it amazing only because the audience calls it amazing. And this is, these are some old numbers with over 5,000 people linking to one of our sites, 4,000 to another, and then the rest of them, we get hundreds and hundreds of links back. But the 10x principle, there's something at the top, the 5%, that's just what the story is all about to our audience. And you have to understand you're looking for that 5%. Don't assume you know it. Don't assume you know the solution to the problem. Once you listen to them, 
you'll start finding it because the people don't know the solution to the problem. They're just into the stories. They do know what they like. And if you watch that, it's almost irrefutable map to success in terms of finding not only the best stories, but finding the content that allows people to really link to you, share it, and put it out more and more. Because if it doesn't get linked, if it doesn't exist on social, it doesn't exist. So here's a, one of the projects that we did with Alan over the years called Then and Now. Now, Then and Now says we take a picture that was painted by a survivor who was actually at the camp. And when you see that picture and you click on it, you then see an actual photograph from today. So then the painting and now. Then we had people standing on a street. Now the paint picture of that street as it exists today. This was able to get out there because then and now is really the story that we're sharing at remember.org. Remember, it's about their story, not you. And they are telling their story. So one of the key lessons I learned, number four, is it's about their story. It's not about mine. It's really important. You're always going to, to be biased. Anytime we look at something, we change it. That's in quantum physics and in anthropology. Studying people, you change it. But in culture sculpture, we want to witness it like we're coming into a new country and like we're looking at it with fresh eyes, the, the eyes that won't even be fresh a week from today. Because once you look at a culture the first time, you notice how they eat, what they wear, how they talk, where they group, where they go, where the insiders, where the real people who live in the city know where to go. That's the story you want to explore and then find out how your story fits in theirs. Which leads us to why my origin story ends right here. We continue to add more and more content, bringing people in, totally self-funded, and this has taught me more and more about business, but it was also an odd thing that probably was triggered when I was a little boy. And my neighbor had this number on her arm, and I have a picture of it on the site from a different person, but that number really struck something. It triggered something in me, and it became the focus of my art project, Remember.org, a community which 20 years later, you can call it a tribe what you want, it's a living life form. These stories go beyond you to where they connect to other people in amazing ways. I could share more and more stories, and if you like this, please let me know. Because I know the subject is dark, I don't spend my Saturday nights watching Schindler's List repeats, but I have a deep respect and friendship with many, many people who have been through it. And just like Harold Gordon, one of the survivors who I first met when I started the site, says, put hate on hold. He's talking about a world of hope, not death. He's talking about a world focused on the good stuff that happened, because last I heard, Hitler lost. Doesn't look like it in our society, does it? And that's not getting political. We should be able to say, goodness survived and continues to survive. And we sort of sum it up as we are remember.org. We listen, we don't interfere, and we remember the community is the reason we're here. We've built a community sharing their story on the wall. That's why we call it culture sculpture. And while I won't be sharing stories of the Holocaust or anything like this, likely again, unless you ask me, what I would like to share with you are really breakthrough innovators, people telling stories in unique ways, and people listening. Because that's what culture sculpture is about. Let the audience shape their story. Witness the story. This is dynamic. This is not something you just do. It's dynamic 
and it's them doing it so fast that you couldn't keep up. We all love to study artificial intelligence and how fast computers are making things. Try to keep up with your audience and their magnificent computer called the brain. It's quicker than you, smarter, and almost never wrong. So I hope you enjoy this origin story. This is Culture Sculpture, stories on the Digital Cave Wall podcast, and we'll be coming to you each week on Tuesdays, and look forward to seeing you next week. Talk to you soon.